They're guys. They do magic. magic. They are the magic guys. Ladies and gentlemen, what's up? Welcome to episode 157. How do we keep doing these? I have no idea. But to my left, we got Nick K. Welcome to the show, friends. And down below, we got no one because Doug is not here. Doug, what's going on? (laughs) No, Doug's busy. He's a busy man. And today, replacing him, we have a guest, which we'll get to in just a second. But Nick, how are you, my friend? Dude, I've had a mega week. Absolutely awesome week. It's been really fun. Whole bunch of really gnarly gigs. I keep having these really fun times when I'm performing where I'm meeting non-English speaking people, but there's always one person who needs to translate for me. And I just have way too much fun with that person because I make him say stuff they would never say. Like, what? Repeat up. <laughs> I start performing. I'm like, this is Nick Kay. And they go, oh, he's an award-winning magician, one of the best in Australia. And they say all this crap. And then I'm like, I also think he's really handsome. And I'm like, and they look at me and look at me. And I'm like, say it. And they go, I think he's really handsome. And then they, and they'll go, did they just say that? Like, that's so <laughs> cheeky. So I love fooling around with people. How was your week? Busy, busy? Okay. Yeah, look, we opened the Theater of Magic at the new venue at the Treasury Hotel on Saturday. How good's that? Mate, it was a dream come true. This room, and no doubt this year, Nick, you'll play in this room, but it's like, it feels actually magical. Like you're in a Hogwarts room. Because it's this heritage-listed venue and so, so nice. And the audience gave us a standing ovation at the end of the first night in this show. So, my you boy. know, um, I can't even find the applause button on my own soundboard. But but we had that on Saturday. Yes, it was it was, it was was very nice. And that's that was pretty much my week, the podcast and that. And, and now here we are. Well, speaking and of also applause, greetings, I was going to say, let's do a quick shout out to all of our friends yeah. here in the house. We have Thomas. We have our friend House to the end. I am the Flash 101. We have Johnny Prentice, Tim Askin. You guys better be asking all those questions because we have an awesome guest on today. <laughs> we also have Tom. We have Blaze Sierra. Bam, bam, bam. Come and be a guest, you son of a bitch. We also have Johnny Prentice, a <laughs> good friend, Neil Allen. Neil Allen is one of the most wonderful people I know, a non-magician who regularly listens to this show. I also got a message from another non-magician today. Shout out to Grant Middlemiss asking, hey, what time is the show on? So Grant, hope you're listening and good to see you, friend. And we have Mark Thompson, guys. So again, thank you for being here in the chat. We have an amazing guest on today. And so if you have any questions, please throw them up. We would love, we've had an amazing chat already spending time backstage and I can't wait a moment longer to bring him on. What do you say, Josh? Look, we got to do it. And for those who are real OGs of the pod, you've seen him on an episode before. But when I dug back to the last time this gentleman was on the podcast, so we're at episode 157. I should have planned this and him come on two weeks earlier, but the last time he was on was episode 55. So 102 episodes later, we finally got him to come back. And he's been, he's been a busy boy since then. I wrote down just quickly, like, he had his first comedy special, Chasing Wonder, which I think was out when we were first chatting. And you can still get that on Amazon Prime or on uh, YouTube movies, we were realizing. And he now has a second special called Enjoy the Ride, which is available on YouTube for free for everyone to go gangbusters and watch. He has published a book, but today, very exciting. And he's been giving us a little goss in the background, but uh, he has a book coming out called Misdirection, A Magician's Guide to Spotting and Avoiding Manipulation in Your Life. 
It's on Amazon for pre-order, and it's going to be coming out on Feb 13th. So without any further ado, let's introduce Taylor Hughes. Wow. Wow. Woo. Okay, that, first of all, Ben, that red carpet rollout, like, the, can we? Can you just put a course together for every corporate MC of, like, how to introduce you when you come out? Have, you, have <laughs> yeah. you, done, you done the corporate where they're, like, read some interview they found of you online and tell everything uh, that's not important? <laughs> that was man, great. if only there was a course on MCing that, that would go through stuff like that. <laughs> that, was not, that was not why I brought it. <laughs> Because Taylor does have an emceeing course, just so you know, on, on how to be a proper master of ceremonies. James, Taylor, let me crash the party. Look at this. Yay. Thank you so much for being here. Now, for those that don't know who you are, you wonderful, wonderful creature, tell us. Tell us who you are, what you do, what makes you tick. Go. I am a magician, which is why I'm on the magic guys, but I, I'm based in Los Angeles, California. About 80% of my work is corporate entertainment and the other 20 is a mix of theaters and some other fun projects. I put out, I just put out my second special. Hey, John says, welcome back. Hey, John. Hey, Tim. <laughs> just put out my second special on YouTube. So I, I love making stuff. I like making projects and putting them out. I, I've made one project for magicians with, with David Stryker, the Cuban bottle project. Oh, nice. um, yeah. But other than that, everything I make is just stuff for the general public. So got a couple books and a couple specials and a couple kids. So <laughs> those are the oh, things wow. I've made. <laughs> Jeez, what a, talk about juggling that. Tell us about this Cuban bottle project. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so back in like, man, maybe eight eight or nine years ago, David Stryker, I worked with him to release his uh, Mystery Cube, which is just a like an impossible bottle with a Rubik's Cube in it, which is now at Disneyland. You can go buy them there, which is crazy. Wow. I'm no longer involved in the project. That's so crazy. I made a lot of money after I left. And <laughs> but David and I grew up at the Magic Castle in the junior group together. We've been buddies for years. And so we worked on a project with his... Cuban bottle that Vanishing Ink put out on how to put the cube in the bottle, how to make mm -hmm. these impossible bottles you can give away at corporates, and and then a routine I put together that's a a matching an audience mixes up a cube and it matches the one that you've had sit on stage in a bottle, and then at the end of it you solve the cube in the bottle. So that's that's the Cuban bottle project. Yeah, damn. So our, our our friend uh, our friend Brennan Dooley is a big advocate of this, yeah. and he oh, buys yeah. them in freaking boxes. Crazy. So much so that he figured out the shipping was less if he got it shipped to me in Australia instead of him in New Zealand. And he would have me individually post like four at a time to him and <laughs> it worked out better. But, you know, now he gets them direct, I think, to That's him. That's wild. But. That's wild. Yeah, it's, yeah. That, was a fun, that was a fun project. And that routine is, uh, there's actually a video that's from the first special, but there's a video of that, just that routine on YouTube if anyone wants to see it. Yeah, just kind of a... I have, I have seen that routine actually. And it was Brendan Dooley himself that brought it to my attention because it's such a beautiful piece of magic. Like, thank you so much for mm. sharing that, you know? So oh, speaking, well, speaking of sharing magic, like the, these specials, right? Like how do you, I got to ask a big, I, yeah, go, yeah. Go, I, go. I, I got to ask a big question. Very controversial. And I think I know the answer, but you know, you went from the first special being on Amazon prime yeah. to now YouTube where it's, it's a uh, open source. Everyone can go watch it. What what's the the thought process? Yeah, I to mean, go, that, 
For sure. Yeah, that was that was just it. The first special we put out, I filmed in January of 2020. And then that got released and did great on Amazon because everyone was sitting home watching stuff. And then this next one, I just I'm trying to just put out more content so people can see what I do. And then maybe when I turn up to their town, they'll buy a ticket to come. So that's it's not a it's it's nothing original or unique. It's essentially what my comedian friends have done for years is you you write a show, you do that hour for a couple of years on the road, and then you put it out either on you know, audio or video. And so I just thought, hey, what if you just did what comedians are doing, but do it with magic? That's really interesting because, you know, I guess magicians by nature are so secretive and will hide their routines and not want to share jokes and share things of that nature. How different yeah. is the magic realm from the like comedic stand-up realm? You know, it's it's interesting. There's a, yeah, that is that has always been a thing. Traditionally, you know, years ago, you could make a 45 minute or a 60 minute act or I mean, back in the 60s, a nine minute act and you could make a living doing that act all over the world. And and that is a that is a great way to do it. If if your business model is I'm going to borrow an audience, which is that that's the big difference between magicians and comedians, magicians, we borrow an audience. We don't have our own audience. And so we get a corporate client or a house party or a wedding and we borrow the audience that belongs to that group for the night. And, but then that, but that means you have to wait by the phone for someone with an audience to invite you to come. And my comedian friends have a totally separate business model. It's I'm going to put out content and travel around the country and do all these shows for next to no money so mm. that I can, I can get my own audience and then once I get my own audience, I can just make stuff for them and have 200, 300, 400 people turn up when I come to town and buy a ticket. So if you, yeah. think, about, if you think about every famous magician we know, that's been their business model, right? Every, every famous magician that people who aren't in magic know, David Copperfield, David Blaine, Chris Angel, Penn & Teller, Lance Burton, it's all Justin yeah. Willman. It's all because Willman. they created digital content and put it out. Yeah, and then people could come see them live. So, and then I feel like you're burning less marketing fund in the long run, right? You're not just burning yeah. all this money for a town that's never seen you to try and fill seats, right? It's and it's like you know, typically, I think that's and that's why magicians, you know, grow up making a living from the corporate world because right. they don't have to be known and like they get this put so, in front of them audience, but. Well, question yeah. about your audience. So we're talking about sharing content, for example. I mean, is it that if you're going to follow this this idea, this is this brilliant idea, more importantly, would you avoid sharing content that's going to be within the show, for example? Like, let's say that you did, I don't know, let's just say that you made a, a monkey appear on stage. You wouldn't do that on right. your socials and then expect people to to do that. Like, it, would you, well, like, what is a line drawn? Like, do you do stuff in the show or do you do stuff to draw them into the show that I see totally new stuff? I think what he's saying, Nick, is that you always are putting out the stuff that you used to do in the shows. And now you have a new show you're touring, but you're showing the tour you did the year before. Yeah, is I mean, that, right? that, would, that would be but the ideal. About people who are going to be doing this for the first time. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if you're going to take oh, this they, they Okay, no so hope. if you're going to be doing this for the first time, <laughs> what do you right. do? Do you show stuff within the show or do you show other stuff to draw them into the show? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't think it's... I, I used to be like... When I first had the idea for the first to do the first show and put it out, I thought, well, I can't do that material anymore. And I don't think that's the case. I think that if people watched it and they loved it, 
it's kind of like going to see your favorite band. You're hoping they do something old, but you also mm. want to hear the new stuff. So I think the challenge is for magicians is we go, hey, I'm doing a show and people come and they love it. And then, hey, I'm doing a show. They might come a second time, but if it's the same show, they're never going to come again because they're going to realize, hey, I love that guy, but I've seen everything he's got. And so, again, if you're working mostly in the corporate market or in house parties, I don't think that that's I don't think for most people, this is an issue that they need to be concerned about. But I do think if you're interested in making content that like kind of direct to your audience and finding that audience and curating that audience, I think I think the only way to do it is to make things and put it out for people to see. And if they see that and like it, they might want to see the next thing. So, yeah, what what um. What how what percentage of the show has to be different? Do you think? Like oh so so like right now let's see we put that special out two months ago and right now in my current show if I'm doing an hour about about half of it is brand new I'm still doing nice. some things that are a couple things from the first special a couple things from this this last one so it's not all like one or the other. But then March, I do, I'll do two weeks in, in Tahoe in March. And the purpose of that run is that show from then on is brand new. So all the stuff that I'm doing that, that is on one of those videos is, is not going to be on stage anymore once that show comes. Yeah, wow. And all right, help the magician brother out. How do you go about putting like filming a magic special? What, what's your yeah. kind of process? And also you put it on YouTube and you're obviously spending a lot of money to have it produced. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. How do you go about that? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's not cheap to make things making, making a book's not cheap, making a special's not cheap. But again, you mentioned marketing. And I think a lot of times where our thoughts are, Oh, I'm going to do a lot of Facebook ads or I'm going to do you pay for gig masters or the, whatever it's called now, the bash or, you know, we have different Google AdWords and things like that. I just tend to direct all my marketing budget to making content that will exist in perpetuity. So when I first made, when I made the first special and that came out during the pandemic, I spent a ton of money on it that I did not make back from selling the special, mm. but I made back the money because when a corporate client is looking at three different magicians and they go, Here's three performers. They're all they're all working the magic castle. They all do comedy. They all do magic. Oh, this one has a special on Amazon. That's how I made my money back off the first special. Mm. So I I just yeah, I I think yeah, I think I think that's that's the big thing. You asked about like the logistics of doing it. I had a buddy who asked me a question, and this is a, I think regardless of whether you want to make a video or you want to do something else, this question is huge. He said, what's one thing we were sitting in a, in a diner in Nashville and I see him like twice a year, but we're like great friends. And he goes, what's one thing, you know, you need to do, but you haven't done. And I started telling him, oh, I'm going to make a comedy special, you know, magic special. It's going to be this and that. It's going to be like when I saw Harry Anderson do it and all this stuff. And he just listened nicely. And then he went, you said the same thing a year ago, like the same thing you just told me you said a year ago, when are you going to do it? And he took out his phone and he said, when's your next open time. And I said, January, and this was like August of 2019. He goes, hold on. He booked a flight from Nashville to LA. And he said, I'm spending that week with you. Now you got to figure it out. And the second, Ooh. the second that I had a deadline on the calendar, then it was just like, well, I guess I got to book a theater. 
And I knew some friends who ran this beautiful theater in LA called Dynasty Typer. And I reached out to them. And they're like, yeah, you can use a theater. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I got to get a camera crew. And so you, you just, once you commit to doing it and you put it on the calendar, then you just start working backwards and going, who do I know? What can I, what, what favors can I ask for? Like, and, what's, uh, the, what's the checklist to make that happen? So it's like, okay, got a theater, got a yeah. camera crew, got an audience, got a show. Like, is that it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I worked with two different crews. The first special was a friend of mine out of the East coast and I actually flew his whole crew out to do it just because we had worked together on like a hundred different corporate events. And so I had watched these guys who were not like, it's funny to be in LA and to hire a camera crew from outside of the state is kind of the dumbest economic decision. But I I had watched these guys, you know, they're getting hired by these corporate events to capture the event and to show a recap video the next day. And they never miss the shot because they're just used to like, they know in their head what we got to get. And they'd also seen the act I was doing at the time, you know, a hundred times. And and I didn't have to explain here's trying to accomplish. So yeah, so that was that was working with them, and then this last special, my buddy Chris Ruggiero out of Atlanta is a beast, and he, he, I just love his aesthetic. He does like all my video content now, and yeah, I just said, hey man, you want to try to do a special? And we just, yeah, we just kind of set it up and picked how many cameras we needed and what angles we wanted, and brainstormed different shots. And, you know, at that point, the show, I'd been doing the show on the road for a couple of years, and so I knew these are the routines I want to put on on there. And okay. yeah, so you had <laughs> was it was it one show that you filmed? We shot two shows for both of them. Yeah, if you're gonna film, if you're gonna film a show, that's you got to. I would pick do two performances of it because what what's gonna happen is you're gonna go. Ah, we need two in case it doesn't work. And then the first one, you're gonna go. Oh, that went that went pretty good. I think we got it. And then the second show, you'll use like eighty percent of it from the second show because what'll happen is. <laughs> Once you feel like, oh, the the pressure is gone of like having to get something on tape that's good, then all of a sudden you relax and you come up with stuff that's actually really great. So I think for both specials, about 80% of it came from the second show we, we shot. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So when you, cause you probably do the first one, sorry, Nick, you probably do the first one and you think that was good, but then you do the second one and you're like, okay, that was good. Yeah, well, I I really do think it's a matter of like you're so there's so much pressure on it. Like when I did the first taping, I literally walked out before the show and I said I had my friend Michael Rayner, a variety artist. He came out and did some juggling to open the show. But I walked out before him and I said, hey, everyone, this is not the show. I just want you to know, like we're filming tonight. If you if you enjoy this, make sure you react and let us know if you don't enjoy it. Don't feel like you got to fake it. (laughs) But my kids are literally selling posters in the lobby because i've spent their college fund on this <laughs> so we need this to go well <laughs> like yeah so yeah i wow. i yeah I, I think i think once you relax and you're like okay great we got through one then you can just be yourself and get something that you'll feel more comfortable with so david ung asked the question here which says how did you get flight time with an hour show before filming it and i guess that you were saying that two like two years before you did the first one yeah is it the same sort of process where you go through years of just like doing the routines and your corporates and so forth like what happens yeah so i do like i said i do a mix of corporates and then i do there's some theaters that i do so like the loft in lake tahoe i'll do a couple weeks out of the year there when i do the loft or i do the magic castle or house of cards or places like that you're doing between 30 
you know, the house of cards, you're doing like a 30 minute show five times a night. And what mm -hmm. I, what I would do when I would go there is I would, I would plan the sets as two separate 30 minute shows. So I would plan my hour long show and I would do the first show. The audience would see what was essentially half of the special. And then the second show, the next audience who didn't see the first one would see a different show, but it would be the next half of the hour. And so if you currently right now are booking events where you're only doing 15 or 20 minute sets, I would just start doing separate 15 or 20 minute sets to build up the time until you get an hour on stage. When I do the loft in Tahoe, it's 70 minutes twice a night. And so you have all the time in the world to throw a bunch of stuff in and just kind of see what fits. I think magic tricks and, and routines are kind of like, it's like trying on clothes. You might see it on someone else and go like, that looks great. I think I could do something with that. And then you put it on, you're like, ah, oh, this just doesn't fit me. And so mm. I think just giving yourself the space in your, in your show to try out stuff makes a big difference. Yeah. So when you're creating these 15 minute blocks, so to speak, what's the key to making a good special? Like, is it the opener? Is it the closer? Like is almost every routine an opener? Like what? Mm the key that's interesting you know it's funny is when we taped the first one i realized afterward what worked on video was different what flowed better on video was different than what flowed when you're live in the audience and so if you watch the first special it's not in the order we shot it in the opener was the same and the closer was the same but the other pieces got moved around because i just realized like oh it kind of felt better in in the final edit but yeah i tend to i tend to just look at individual individual pieces and then you kind of plug them in you know but i i if you're building a show the the person who is the best at this and he's working on a book and will eventually put it out is one of my best buddies in the uk his name is mark james and mark is a beast he's got like two or three penguin lives but just a brilliant thinker of magic and he has a, a whole grid system that he's work, put together that is like different styles of different types of pieces so it'll be like here's a piece where you're on stage by yourself here's a piece where you have an audience member with you here's one where you sit at the edge of the stage here's one that happens in the audience here's one where the audience member's on stage and you're on the seats and he basically creates all these different you know this one has background music this one has no music this one has only music and no talking and so as you're mm. building a show you use these little ideas of you know to to take these routines and to kind of create texture in the show so that people are kind of leaning in the whole time. And and so when I'm putting together an hour, I try to look at like, okay, what am I doing that's that's really leaning into storytelling? What am I doing that's that's really magical? What am I doing that's really funny? It just, what are the things you want people to walk away with? And then just make sure you're doing those kind of bits in the show, yeah. I guess you can also do versions of those routines as well, where you have one version of a routine that doesn't oh, yeah. need to be, have any spoken parts and one version that can just... It's, it's, yeah, and I really like this. I've I've never really heard someone put it so eloquently. A lot of things you're saying are blowing my mind, and I'm so thankful that you're sharing this information with us. Genuinely, like saying things like it has texture mm. is I've no one's ever said it, it. Put that in my thought process before, not once. You know, um, the notion <laughs> of a borrowed audience. Like this is all yeah. new concept. Oh. I've been in this game for 16 years, and you know, <laughs> a genius like yourself. To, to share it. Like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. And, I, and also, sorry, Taylor, go on, go on. Oh, no, go, go ahead. I was just going to, on on the same kind of deep questioning and, and thought process, David asked, what's your cheat food when you're on the road? 
Oh man. After a gig. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so bad, David. I <laughs> I hear okay, so we have I'll tell you. I'll tell you how, this first of all, I have a problem because she I, I it's 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 right now the food is so bad that I'm eating all the time that Good. anything anything that there's nothing that feels like a cheat. It's just like, oh, what's the next one? <laughs> you got that uh, uh magic magic special money. <laughs> no. No, my I, I tend to be like a late night like like oh do really good all day and then after the show at like 11 30 at night i'll be driving home and be like i'm gonna drive through taco bell or del taco or something just yeah know. people keep bringing yeah. up pizza in this in this chat a lot for some reason really they're having, a, they're having a pizza party what type of pizza would you do you get do you have a, a favorite oh, wow. <laughs> this is when you know the magic conversation they're like i don't want to hear this guy talk about magic well <laughs> <laughs> it's like this guy can't can't give me anything I love all pizzas. I'm not, you know what? This is controversial. I'm not a pineapple pizza guy. I'm kind of like, yeah, I know. Shut I, the look, front door. Look, someone oh. needs to say it, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> this is the hard hitting content you only get on the magic guys. But yes, yeah. what, he doesn't, he doesn't talk about this in his book, people. So you can only get it here. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <sighs> oh my God. We got we the scoop. We can wrap we it up. About that. <laughs> we should probably talk about the book. Now, this book on manipulation in your yeah. book. Tell us what the book's about, friend. Yeah, so this so this book that is coming out on February 13th is is the whole premise of this book. And this is not a book for magicians, but it's a book written by a magician for the general public. And the whole premise is I've studied how to deceive people my entire life for entertainment, right? Like we we study how to take your watch off without, you know, and we study how to get you to look over here so we can do something shady over here. And that's cool because people sign up for that. But people don't sign up for that to happen when they go to work on Monday morning or when they sit in a church pew on Sunday or when they go, you know, into, into a, a booth to vote politically. And so the book is all about how the same techniques we use for entertainment has kind of snuck into how we treat each other in every other aspect of life from business to politics, to marketing, to religion. And so the book is called Misdirection, a magician's guide to spotting and avoiding manipulation in your life. Mm. And here it is. And what I do is I, I teach a simple magic trick, like a simple magic principle, kind of general magic stuff in every chapter. And then I teach how that same thing has snuck into how you treat each other in the office if you're not careful. So it's it's really a book about asking questions about how we can look out for one another and treat each other kindly and not allow ourselves to kind of get the wool pulled over our eyes by someone who, mm. you know, is being being shady. So that's yeah, there well, it is. We Yeah, there is a link to purchase the book. I literally purchased mine backstage minutes before we went live. I'm so excited to get a copy of this. It's a gorgeous looking book as well. The design looks awesome. And I'm look, looking forward oh, yeah. to reading it. Oh, within. thank you, man. Thank you. And and we put supplemental. So there's video links in every chapter where I explain a simple trick. Like, you know, it, and it's simple stuff like the salt shaker through the table trick. But I'll, I'll explain that principle. And talk about how the way the salt shaker vanished is I got you to think it was all about the quarter, that all my attention mm. was on the quarter. When I never had any desire to do anything with the quarter, I just needed you to think that was the most important thing. And then you wouldn't notice what I was doing over here. And so in 1984 for 2024, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And this is not, it is definitely not like, this is not like a conspiracy theory book. Like they're all out to get us. Oh, but it, we it, it are. Is, 
Would we are say? very much we are very much the conspiracy guys on this <laughs> on this spot. You don't even know, dude. The secondary channel, right? Is the conspiracy guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, no, the book the book is just like how to how to ask questions that will keep you from getting taken advantage of. So man, I totally agree with that. I can't tell you how many times I see stuff on the TV where it's like, oh, they're allowing like I remember how many times I've seen stuff like we're allowing gay marriage. I'm like, that's awesome. That's so cool. And then another part of my conspiracy brain went, what are they distracting us from? Because they could have done this ages ago, but they waited till now. They waited till now. And I did this to distract us from something. You else. might be a conspiracy guy, Nick. <laughs> you don't even know. You don't even know. That's um, why I shaved my head because my, my long, I used to have hair all the way down to my, to my butt, but getting stuck in the foil hats. So oh, is that, what, is that what it was? <laughs> so funny oh, of all the oh, lessons yeah. in the book what's your favorite what's your favorite lesson in the book that you like to share oh man my favorite lesson in the book gosh that's a really good i should probably know this like i should have it in a holster or something um, <laughs> maybe you should read it for me so i <laughs> my fa- my favorite section in the book and again this book is i i i worked with a lot of editors and a lot of friends to make sure that I was writing this like right down the like not trying to talk anyone into anything or out of anything, but in a past life before I was a magician, I worked at a I worked at a church and things went really sour at this place that I had been at since I was eight years old, and and I was kind of shocked. I was like, dude, I'm the guy who knows like I I know how to recognize what's real and what's not and deception and all this stuff, and in a place that was supposed to be safe you know, our family got taken advantage Mm -hmm. of. And so I'm just excited for people who have found themselves in a similar situation and feel kind of like they're the only one who's dealt with that to number one, not feel alone. And number two, to realize like, Hey, if something feels off guys, ask more questions. And so that's, that's kind of my favorite chunk about the book. There is uh, there's literally a, yeah. When you, when you ask questions, you get pushback from this like toxic tribalism that tends to happen mm. sometimes. And the, and the safest thing, and I say that quite literally, the safest thing is to just back down because mm. you ask questions, but you just greeted with like such hostility, you know, yeah. is there any, is there anything in the book that sort of talks about how to manage that? Yeah. I mean, there's a whole section in the book called misdirection in the neighborhood, which is about like family relationships and community. And what do you do when, when, you know, you don't see eye to eye anymore with certain people and, and how do you have those conversations and how can you, you know, set safe boundaries for yourself to make sure that you're not getting run over, but also be, be respectful and, and firm in the fact that like, Hey, this is what I I see the world to be and kind of how I'm choosing to live it. So yeah, there's some, some good tips in there for that. So you're saying like within the family or within the neighborhood, I think that's really interesting. How much techniques do you use in your family and day-to-day life. I mean, I, I don't know how old your kids are. Yeah. Are they, I, got are they 15, I got a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old. Okay. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. So, like, growing up, you know, this whole thing of, like, take a bath. No. It's like, you know, right. like, what techniques would you have for, like, the family realm? Mm. Yeah, I mean, a big, there's a, a lot of conversation in there just about communication and how to communicate 
in an appropriate way and in a careful way in a clear way because that's the that's my that's one of my biggest concerns with this book is when you're teaching techniques for manipulation so that you can recognize them to avoid them i don't want someone picking this up as a manual and going like here's how i can get everyone at the office to do what i want them to do yeah right right here's how i can get my wife to react the way i want her to react you know so it really is a the biggest thing is like asking, like I said, asking big questions. And so my wife and I with our kids have always just been like, all right, are we doing this the right way? You know, mm. what, what, what else is out there that we don't know about that maybe we should learn about that can make us better parents or better people. And I think the minute we start to feel like, and magicians are great at this. We're so good at like constantly questioning everything. What's possible. What's not, what's real. What isn't, what, what, what could we, achieve on stage you know what technique do i need for this or that and so but i think in in most of life we kind of put things into categories of oh i already got that down i know it you know mm. when you're a little kid and you sit down and you learn how to tie your shoes you're like so you ever watch a little kid try to tie their shoes it's like mm-hmm. make the bow and, and they're so intense yeah. about it and then we get to a certain point where we go, I know that, and we never think about it again. And that's great with shoe tying. It's not great when it comes to like how we respect other people or what we think about the world or how, you know what I mean? All that stuff. Like we just want to always be growing and learning and realize like, I don't know, I spent too long feeling like I had all the answers and I needed to give them to someone. And I, I found that like, there's more help in just asking big questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Realizing you don't have it all figured out, you know? Yeah. And it's remarkable because I think that, you know, given the generation between like gaps, I should say, you know, where, you know, back in the day, we didn't have a phone in our pocket when we wanted something, we had to actually like get in the car, go to the mall, purchase the thing instead of having the comfort of just from my mobile. Like I literally from my phone within a minute bought your book now, which I'm grateful for that technology. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I get it, man. It's like, it's Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but 20 years ago, and even now to this day, you would have to, if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, so to speak, you would go to the mall or to the bookstore, and then you would go right. look at the shelves, and they, you wouldn't find it. And then you ask a person at the counter and say, is this book here? And they go, no, but it's in right. our other store. And you go to the other store, and they go, sorry, the inventory was wrong. It said we have a copy, and we don't. And you go, well, can I order one, please? And then you got to right. wait six weeks. And like this is like how it was back in the day, and it's so different. And the reason I bring that up is that, I guess, we didn't have this notion of instant gratification like we yeah. do now. Right. And do you think that plays into this whole notion of misdirection, like through your book? Yeah, I think because, and there's a section in the book where we talk about the fact that sometimes we're misdirected by other people. Sometimes we're misdirected by ourselves, right? Mm. It's, you know, we all know the three shell game or three card Monty. And I love, man, I, have you ever gone and watched somebody like hustle on the street? Like not a magi- like a guy who's doing the technique, but just purely to win the game and make the money. It's it's wild to me because because part of you feels a little bit bad. You're like, man, this guy's taking advantage of people. But if you watch, it's it's the person who gets up there and wants to get rich quick. It's the person that gets up there and want, you know what I mean? Like in some aspects, we're allowing ourselves to be misdirected and manipulated and, and it is the instant gratification. And so I think, yeah, I think I, again, it's good to ask like, what, what is it that I want out of life? And, you know, as a magician, sometimes it's like, oh, I really would like to have a new show. Well, you know, are we, do we really want that or, or do we want to just do what's easy or comfortable or the thing that we know works? So uh, I'm just, you see how I brought it back to magic, Josh? I love it. I love it. You know, 
I was just thinking, I was just thinking, all you had to do to sell it to every magician is add yeah. a book test within the, know, the book. I know. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a book test in it, sold. That sold would be out. it. That would be it. Well, see, if I wanted to make money from magicians, I would write a magic book. Because here's what I think is funny. Like my profit, will be like $4 on a book if it's a paperback for everybody book. But if it's like a nice, beautiful magic, it's like, oh, you make 80 bucks a book, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Where is Nick gone? Imagine if his book's been delivered already. He's someone just someone left. just said. Well, just, with all that talk about pizza, I think his finally arrived. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> that would be amazing. So, so like what's, you know, we've been we've been in the, the full-time magic game for a while. You you, you know, much longer than me as well. But like, what's your relationship with magic these days? Like, do you still enjoy yeah. it? Do you what's what's that like for you? It's yeah. a balance, I find. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you go through waves with it? Like totally. Sometimes I, sometimes I absolutely love magic, and sometimes, like, I mean, we joked earlier. I was like, sometimes I'm packing for a show and going, "Man, if I was one suitcase funnier, I just tell mm. jokes and stories and leave." <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what? What just happened? Taylor just said, "Oh, his pants must have arrived." Is that? <laughs> I don't know who did this. <laughs> I, the, so we've been talking about pizza and then this bit, my doorbell rings. I run downstairs and I'm like, I'm like, that ain't me, bro. You want to check the address? He's like, yeah. And it's like, it says here, like Nick K, your address, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. So whoever, the actual fuck? Whoever what is hilarious, like, just <laughs> So listeners of the podcast, you can't see this right now. I've just <laughs> for a moment. I just ran back. I'm now holding 10 pieces <laughs> from Domino's. So whoever to amazing. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Wow. Okay, whoever sent that, I'm gonna put my address in the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone put your address in quickly. Oh, that's no one- incredible. <sighs> Damn it! I guess no one knows my address. To God damn it! I'm terrified that people know my address. <laughs> Have, you haven't opened the boxes yet. That might not even be pizza. Who knows? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow! What the actual? F- this is the weirdest podcast I've ever been a part of. Who <laughs> did <laughs> this? And you just you don't know what'll happen. That's amazing. that is. That is Thank wild. What the hell? Is there someone from Domino's listening to the pod? Is that what happened? <laughs> Can you imagine? Went, hey, about pizza. We better turn. Well, let's plug Domino's. Thank you, Domino's. <laughs> I didn't even know Domino's is, is early, open this early. Right. Oh, it's an hour ahead for you. It's 1040 here, AM. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Adsy says they're our new sponsor. You're sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That is unreal. That I got the unreal. right. Uh, yeah. That's magic. Okay, thank you so much. There goes the the kilo. I just lost a kilo this week. I was so happy. <laughs> uh, I was finally able to fit into our merchandise for a change. And now I just got oh, 10 pizzas funny. delivered. Like, ah, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm frustrated. <laughs> and if it's, if it's someone from Domino's who listens to the pod, thank you, Domino's, for uh, the 10 the 10 oh. pizza isn't imagine if that just imagine if that just becomes a weekly thing now <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> just mid podcast. Yeah. Okay. It'll be it'll be pizza night every Tuesday night at Nick's house for sure. Like that is just yeah. Oh my word! Now the, the detective in me wants to say, who was the first person to bring up pizza in the chat? I would guess they're the culprit. Ooh. I mean, a lot of these listeners are. A lot of these listeners are from the U.S. Do you always talk about pizza on this show? <laughs> I mean, it's not uncommon. Normally, we talk about Nick being in a band, but this is oh, that's this amazing. is a this is a first. Because you play some instruments, don't you? I do, I do. Yeah, not not with anybody really. I, I was in a band in high school, and now I just play in my little tough shed in the backyard. But there, yeah, there's always there's stuff. They got stuff everywhere. Got ukuleles. And guitars and <laughs> anyway once uh, again the hard-hitting magic content everyone came for <laughs> what's I your relationship it. with magic right now josh are you loving it or are you hating it are you what are you, what are you feeling right now you know i used to be a full corporate guy like love corporate gigs you know yeah. and always have the website looking schmick and the promo reels and and everything and in the last two years, I got to start doing some, some theater shows Yeah, and for bigger audiences. And I just, it opened my eyes so much to how much like people actually can enjoy magic when they're, you're the event, that, like when they're coming to see magic, not you right. being put in front of a cold audience. And from doing that so much and now having this, we have this weekly show that it's a parlor show for 45 guests in a, in a casino here. Yeah. And, uh. I just enjoy that so much that I'm starting to, in, not not that I don't enjoy corporates, but I've just found a, a, a higher level of enjoyment. And so yeah, I want to find a way to just be able to just do that stuff more. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. where I'm at right now. Yeah. That's rad. How about you, Nick? Where are you at with magic? I mainly, uh, I, so I, I love it so much, man. And it's really funny because like, I, I just love the close-up realm far more than I do the stage realm. And I really enjoy doing the bars and clubs that I do on a regular basis. I have four residencies that I do on a weekly basis where I perform mm -hmm. close up, just going from table to table or just people standing around. And it's, it's just so great because I have this opportunity to create and run in material all the time. And I just quite literally say to people, like, I'm just here to try new material. Can I try some new stuff? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah that's great. We love so it. We leave our table. And then, and then they love it because the main like one of the biggest benefits for the venues that hire myself is that in return, they like, oh, can I give you a tip? Can I give you a tip? And all I ask is that you just leave a kindly worded five-star review and mention my name. And yeah. then they do that. And so they get in these five-star Google reviews in their venues and it mm -hmm. just makes all the managers look great. It makes me look Probably great. And they, just, and they just go like Nick's worth his, his weight in gold, you know? And um, yeah, yeah, I just super thankful for that, you know? So in between right. that, I do private functions, corporate functions. Roving is my main jam. Yeah. I do enjoy stage a lot. I, I really, really do. But, yeah. you know, I still treat it as if those people are standing within a few feet from me, even though there's like a massive distance between the stage and, and everything else. You know, like it's great. I can't, help, I can't help but feel whenever I perform that they're just like, like I'm hugging my entire audience. You know, yeah. I just that's think that's so. Well, I just, it's just that like, when you love magic and you perform it, you, I don't know, like you just kind of, for me, I just feel like I'm nothing without an audience. Right. You know? And yeah. I, I perform stuff and people say like, how, like, how do you do that? Like, what the hell, this and that? Like, 
how do you even practice that? And it's like, I practice it with my people, with the people I mm. perform. Half That's the stuff cool. I do, you cannot practice. Like you just right. need to do it. And yeah. I'm just so grateful for that. You know? That's awesome, man. That's rad. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm right now because we, because I just put out that, that material online, I'm right now just doing a bunch of different stuff that I've been playing with for a long time, but haven't like, hasn't been the main thing in the show and I'm loving it. Like I just, I love that moment of like building a show from the ground up, you know, and, and going, what's it going to be? So I'm kind of, I'm kind of back in the honeymoon phase with magic right now. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. well, how do you do it from the ground up? When you, so do you do you write routines and then just piece them together? Or when you say, okay, I have an idea, like what comes first, the routines or the show? So I have, I always have a list on my phone of pieces, ty- types of effects or, you know, a thing you saw that you thought, oh, that could be, I could maybe do something cool with that. You know, the, the benefit that we have as magicians that comedians don't have is comedians aren't waking up every day with five emails from different magic, you know, different comedy companies going, here's the 10 premises you need to get started today. Like, but every day we wake up Penguin and Vanishing Inc. and Theory 11 are like, here's a bunch of cool new visual stuff. And so I I just have a list of like all these random ideas I've always wanted to try or things that are different than I'm currently doing. Then I also keep a list on my phone of like, what do I want to say? Because my stuff is always story driven. It's always what what am I trying to, you know, what's a personal thing that I want to add into this? I tend to start with that and then go, what trick would justify me telling this story in a way that, you know, is, is, is genuine and doesn't feel like contrived, you know? So I love it. Can I share a stupid idea? that I just that entered my, my psyche the other day. I love it. I had this. Okay. So when I, when I perform, right, normally at a table or I'm in a circle of people and I literally get everyone around me. And I like, if there's someone's, I'm like, come, come, come here, come here, come here. And I'll put my arm yeah, around yeah. And I'm like, oh, I want them to be able to smell me effectively. Right. Yeah. What ends up happening is that as you're performing away, it becomes a spectacle for everyone to see what's happening. And I really like that. And I thought to myself, like, how crazy would it be if you had a type of show where you just allowed people to like, like there was tables. Let's say there was tables, right? Some of the tables are actually on the stage. Mm. You know what I mean? Like those yeah. are the hundred dollar seats and you, you see the magic. Like, like I stand on your table. You can look up my skirt and we perform the magic like that. You know what I mean? And then even some portions, like they can go sit in the <laughs> corner. You leave them be like, if maybe someone brings them drinks or something. And then you go sit in the corner, you do your piece to camera, for example, and then you can yeah. go back. But there is people on the stage all the time mm. you know like, like, oh, that's really, interesting i just I had, had a wacky like, I, idea yeah i had a, i had a i've never even thought to act on this but i had a, a similar ish wacky idea where i was like what if you did a show where people there's two types of tickets they can sit in front of the show or they can actually sit behind the show yeah and watch like what and what if you were able to make a show that entertained both seats like if they're sitting behind there's oh, parts where cool. you can kind of look at them and be like huh ah, they're not going to see this but then maybe there's an effect built into that where it's like a sucker trick where actually that isn't what happens to them what if what if the whole show is about perspective and how we're not no, mm. nobody's seeing the same thing you know and wow. and what if your show based on where you sat you literally saw a different show 
Wow. Wow. You know what I mean? Like you could do a dual reality. So you could be holding up a card that people think is a, is a regular playing card, but this side's looking at a face and they're looking at a face and they see it. And then they can literally come to the show twice, sit in a different seat and see a totally different show. That'd be fun, man. Wild idea, yeah, man. <clears throat> Coming to Josh's residency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is actually, that's so deep. That's fun, man. Would wow. you ever come to Australia? To do yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'd love to. I'd love to yeah, come out. I mean, there's many opportunities. I mean, you have your French festivals, of course, but we also have the yeah. Melbourne Magic Festival if you're ever interested. We love having international yeah. guests and we love folks who like to lecture as well. So if you have, and you know, be a great opportunity to push the book and anything else you may have in teaching magicians let's, and so forth. So let's do it, man. Let's make it happen. Yeah. I'd love to do that. That'd be fun. How's that, Peter Nick? It's good. That was so good. <laughs> What I want to see is Nick just chain eat all those pizzas right now, like (laughs) preferably. (laughs) (laughs) Only the first wave has arrived, though, right? Right. No, (laughs) (laughs) some multi millionaire who listens to the pod is like, This is going to be funny, (laughs) and he just keeps sending (laughs) sending you pizzas. pizzas every hour on the hour. Meanwhile, you're like, support the Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad idea. A pizza Patreon. That could be great. We have to spend whatever it earns, like. On pizza. Exclusively on on on, on Stuff that we'll eat on the podcast. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Uh, (laughs) And buy Taylor's book, of course. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, are you? Ha- yeah. How heavy is your MCing schedule? Are you still? Because I, me- I think last time we talked, that was something you. I don't know. Was that something you wanted to not do so much? Or, or... yeah, I was kind of stepping away from it. I have, I have a one MC gig this month, and then I got one uh, in Phoenix, and then I got one next month here in California. But yeah, I went from doing, I was doing like thirty weeks a year of MCing to now I'll do like maybe four weeks out of the year MCing. Wow, yeah, right. Really. But again, that that was yeah. that was because because excuse me. That was because I was wanting to do this shift away from when you're an MC, it's a great gig, but to be a good MC, people will end up thinking you work for the organization. And so it's it's great for the paycheck you get then. It's really bad for people thinking about you outside of that place. And so if you're trying to kind of build an audience who might turn up to a show or buy a book or something, it's not so those, those gigs aren't the best for generating that. So at what point did your mindset go from the paycheck to the audience? Oh my gosh. That's, that's really good. <laughs> I'm trying to think yeah, of when the questions, the big questions here at magic guys, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it was probably, it was probably about five years ago that I that something clicked and I went like, oh, we have magicians have the worst business model in the world. Like, mm. like, like, like the, the whole but the whole idea of borrowing an audience, like the whole idea of your livelihood is dependent upon someone else wanting you to come and do the thing. Right. And 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 not just that, but like you go do a a corporate event and you kill it for this company and they love you. They had you at their Christmas party or whatever, right? Well, maybe they're going to bring you three years from now to come back and do their holiday party because even though they loved you, they need to do something different next year. So, 
you know, if that's your business model, then every show starts to feel like a first date. And it's like, oh man, maybe, maybe this date went amazing, but we're not going to see each other again for a while. <laughs> you know, everything, every, every job feels like a job, like a job audition. And kind of like Josh, what you were saying, like, there's a difference between people who are like, you're the pleasant surprise they got to know. And that's great. Mm. But you spend 20 minutes kind of getting their attention or waiting for them to finish their meal. You know, it's, there's a difference between that and people who come to your residency who are like, we came to see Nick. We came to see Josh. Like we came, we bought a ticket with your name on it and we planned to come see you. The, the connection you can have with an audience like that is so different. So yeah, I just love that kind of stuff. I, I tend to, I used to be annoyed at my corporate stuff. And maybe the last time we talked, I was a little bit bugged about like, oh, I don't really want to do this. I, and mm. now I just kind of look at it as like, kind of like Robin Hooding. <laughs> like, like I, I'll go and I'll, I'll provide this service, which, which I'm very com- confident in. And, and I know I do a great job and they're going to be happy. And then I'm going to take that money and it's going to fund my family so that I can then go, you know, do a show for 30 people. Yeah. See if this new market is something that'll work, you know? Well, what what I've now found helpful is when I go to my corporates, I take the camera that I'm streaming with right now and I film, I get content from those events so that I can take something that will live on past the event. So I'll use it to put out clips. You're so good at that, Thanks. 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 So good. But that's... So that's what I try to do now. So it's, it's not just a paycheck and that's it. Like I get yeah. some joy out of knowing I'm going to go crazy here. Cause like someone's, something's going to happen. That's unique and I can use right. that. And that's my kind of approach now moving forward is like, I'm more about what can I capture here? That'll live on <laughs> yeah. past it. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's so good. Well, I mean, to your credit, Josh, I mean, you recently had a reel that did extremely well. Have you told the folks about that? Yeah, I mean, tick, I don't, TikTok's a questionable place for going viral, but it but it did happen and it, it does count. But yes, I think it's it's my first video to get over a million views. Popped, a, oh, popped, my, awesome. popped my M cherry. What was that, uh, what was that video? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that out of any clip to go viral, it was actually a live performance clip. So it was it was a performance at the Theater of Magic, our our weekly residency. And yeah, we were doing this this I was doing a cube routine, but within the cube routine I do a paper balls over the head moment, yeah. but with the bag. So take the Henry Harris bag, crunch it up, that happens, goes overhead, and then Christophe comes and brings it back. And you see this whole moment of perspective where she this woman is fully immersed in the magic where she sees absolutely none of what's happening around her. I mean, you guys know the yeah. premise of Papers Over the Head, but she just gives like the perfect, like astonished face that I think really hooked everyone who's watching it. Cause I think online people love to watch people reacting to stuff in real life, unsuspecting people. So anyway, it was a clip of that and it just, it just went to the moon. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> went crazy went crazy it wasn't you know an invisible stool or anything cool like that it was just a bag disappearing but um, the invisible stool does not have that many views on it (laughs) (laughs) although that's crazy like yeah oh man crazy that's my buddy blake blake came up that blake voigt came up with that as a beast man that dude isn't it stinging genius the stuff he comes up with is phenomenal how 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 often 
how much input do you get from your magic friends for like your specials and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple guys that I that were always bouncing. I think you need you need friends who you can call really quick and be like, I don't, you know, hey, tell me if I should put any more time into this idea or if it's dumb, you know. And you need you need friends mm. that you trust and and who know you and know what you're trying to create and what you're trying to do with your work to go to go like man that's great but that's not that's not a that's not for you it's like you know what i mean like it's cool when someone else does it but that's not gonna fit your vibe or what you're trying to make so (laughs) yeah i have a couple really close friends that i'm i'm constantly talking to about that kind of stuff and i think we all need that we need people who are gonna help us workshop the stuff well, look, I'm happy. We're, we're happy to give you some advice. What do you? What do you? What do you need to know? Like, <laughs> oh my god, dude, you know what? Now, friends, we'll give you a hand. Okay, what, what idea is like fresh, stuck in your mind? What do you need help with right now? Spit it out. Go. Oh my gosh, I have a new trick. Well, you want to see my new trick that I'm working on? You're not going to believe this. Oh please, you're please. not going to believe the new trick that I'm, I it came today. Said like a true comedian. <laughs> you ready? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Topsy turvy bottles, anyone? Oh my word. What? Oh. Fresh off the off the shelf. Look these, at that. These are, these are these are vintage, fresh off of eBay. Ooh. Wait. Oh. Whoa. 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 You just went from America to Australia in one upside down yeah, look upside at that <laughs> so here's so here's this is dumb i have so much crap in this shed taylor, because taylor. i yeah taylor we have, I have a great idea for the for the presentation are you ready so yes. do you have video in your show yes okay we should pre-record a video with josh and myself right and we're like hey where's my my friends they you know i have friends all over the world i travel the planet and i do all my all my magic blah 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 blah, blah. some of my best friends all the way in australia in fact, they join us right <laughs> so- now and you do it to the video or it's like, send that beer over here. And you go, okay. And, yeah. and then every time you do it, 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 it turns upside down because we're upside down where we are. So when you get it. That is yeah. funny. And we won't even charge that much to use our that, likeness in the special. Right. So that is funny. I, I'll tell you what, I, 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 I think I came up with something. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it yet. Cause I got to work it out. If, if this works out, I'll show you, I think it's going to be I think I'm going to do the topsy turvy bottles and it's going to be a, a mind blower. <laughs> wow. Dude, hell yeah. But, but don't trust me on that. I think I'm the only magician to not be on Penn and Teller fool us. So if I, if I had to guess, I would say you're going to, you're going to do it. Then you are going to on stage levitate and twist upside down and then open the thing. And now the bottle's also the right way up. And then you're going to float back. And that's so good. That's a good one. Yeah. Thanks. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna workshop that. That's why I have no specials. (laughs) You you should do a costume change where, like, your pants. Like, so what you should do is you should have your underwear on the outside of your pants. But but the way you do it is you put an extra you put an extra put an extra pair of pants over that so that you just like (laughs) as you walk behind the table to do it, you go everything upside down, everything's inside out, and when you walk around, they'll like when underwear. Do you do you have like an elusive trick that you worked you sp- spent way too long on this trick and then you eventually were just like this is not a good trick? Did you do you yeah. have one like that? Well, I, I have a premise and I've talked to Ozzy Wind about this. I've talked to Steve Cohen about this. No what? one can give me a good 
Is it uh, talking about publicly or is this like a, you got to keep it under wraps? No, no, it's just an idea. So I, I was a gymnast in all of high school, right? So I have a few skills I can do that, that, um, yeah, you do ma- the maybe not. Right. So the backflip in my show, I wanted to create a routine using my handstand abilities because I can handstand upside down for a long period of time. Okay. And so I was, I, I did, uh, Ozzy Wynn did this five week thing where you're all in a zoom call and everyone could ask questions. And I was like, if you were consulting for Blaine and he could do a handstand, like, what would you make a trick out of that? And so he really started thinking a lot. He's like, all right, so you're seeing everything upside down now, like blood rushes to your head. Like he was really analyzing it, but couldn't give me like an answer. He's like, maybe you see stuff upside down. So you realize something in the room is upside down that turned, but no, it couldn't really, Mm. nothing really clicked. And then I asked Steve Cohen, he's like, well, what you should do is, do a hand, do a one-handed handstand with your legs split with like fire on you. I'm like, whoa, I think you're ah! taking this the wrong way. But he was like, if I could do a handstand, it would be in my show. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. So the only thing I've come up with at the moment is the effect where you have someone spread out a deck, they move a card and yep. then by me doing the handstand, so I've, I've like looked at the spread and then later on I do the handstand and I can see like what card's missing or which one's been moved, like while I'm upside down. And I did that with three, three cards. Yeah. So I could tell like which ones were missing. And then the third card ended up being on my foot. So I'd like bend my leg and the third one was on my foot and uh, it was okay, but I don't want it to be a card trick. And so that's where I'm, Yeah, yeah. it's just stopped. I just, nothing comes to mind. See, okay, that's a good idea. I, I had an idea because I used to play in a band, and so <laughs> hey. whenever he says that, the the chat does a has a shot of something. That's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So I had this, the I had, this uh, idea, I had this idea where everyone like you, you get the audience to think of a song, or like you just yeah. choose people at random, and like they just like look at a song, think about it. Or, you know, something of that nature where they're thinking of a song, but I'm holding a guitar while I'm doing this. And then I'm just yeah. trying to, I'm trying to like read their mind of what song they're thinking of. And then I right. start playing the song they're thinking of. Um, oh, that's- I just feel like it's a little too procedural and not kind of, <sighs> it just didn't feel right. I tried it a couple of times and among friends and it was fun, you know, with a series yeah. of horses and stuff, but I... Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think whenever you're combining this is this is the problem with like, I do a lot of storytelling magic, and tr- if you think about storytelling magic, it's always it seems like a bad story and a bad trick, and you put them together, and you think it's going to be good. So I feel like mm. if you're going to combine a skill with another skill, those both have to be great on their own, and then the fact that you're doing them together, you know what I mean? So like, I would do. So if you're gonna play guitar, I would do something like legitimately really fun and good on the guitar, and then combine it with a trick. Yeah. But like Josh, your your handstand. Here's what I think about: there is a. It, it depends. Do you want this to be a super magical moment, or do you want this to be a really funny moment? Or you know what I mean? Because like, I'm open. I'm open to ideas. Is, I mean, there's the I, the classic thing I think about is like physical comedy is like when a juggler gets on a big unicycle. And the way they get on it is by like climbing up someone like they've created this really awkward physical scenario. Mm. What if you built up to a trick and it could be like a card and shoe 
but where you have a guy on stage, you pick it up and you say like, in the next 30 seconds, I'm going to reveal, you know, within the next 30 seconds, I'm going to reveal your card in an interesting way, unique and interesting way. Right. And you have him hold the cards. He throws them up. You do a handstand. All the cards go everywhere. And you tell him while you're on the handstand, you tell him to take your shoe off. But you rig your shoe so it can't come off. Like you tie it so All right. So so then it becomes this physical thing of you're because you can do a handstand for a long time, but for most people, it'd be like that's excruciating or really hard. Mm. And, you created a scenario where the guy can't get your shoe off, but the whole audience is waiting for him to take off your shoe to reveal the thing. Or like he takes the shoe off and there's another shoe. <laughs> yeah. Or, or what if he takes, he, fi- he finally gets the shoe off and then you're like, oh, it must be the other one. The other one. <laughs> or like he goes to undo the shoelaces and they just pop off. Like they're just a magnet bow sitting on. He's like. Right. What's the one um, where you where you have the rope and it's up your sleeve and then it goes down your other sleeve and your pant leg and that might be fun to do upside down. Professor Cheers rope. Professor trick. Cheers, yeah. What about this, Josh? I, okay, so here comes a question. How how do you feel about pre-show? Do you ever do any pre-show stuff or are you against it? Yeah, no, I'm open to it. If it's if it's like better's the show, like I'm not opposed to it. So if you found a guy before the show and you said we're gonna play mm. a joke on everybody, right? And you had him you taped a shoe inside or you taped a card inside his shoe, right? Right, but, right. But, but listen, but listen, th- during the show, you actually have someone sign a card, vanish it and do sign card to his shoe, but kind of like, like a Kennedy card box. So they, Ooh, it would right. still surprise him because how did the signed one get in there? You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. My thing with pre-show is it's gotta be a trick for the person that you did the pre-show on and for the rest of the audience. But, Hundred percent. I just think it'd be so funny if you create this whole scenario where, like, wow! So the whole there's this whole byplay of it not being in my shoe, and then it turns out actually it's in your shoe. And he's supposed to take you off. Now you got both your shoes off. You're like, I don't know, man. The the tricks, you know, when I was learning this trick, they said it would end up in the shoe, and both my shoes are off. And then you look down, and he's got his shoes on. You'd be like, dude, do you? Maybe it could be a um, it could be the next vanishing bandana premise. It's like a voiceover. (laughs) You know, it's like a voiceover, like learn a trick. And I'm like, what the f? And then I'm like, doing the handstand because it says to, wow. Hey, I'm going to save so much money just having a friend that's listening to these ideas. The shoe inherently I, is a very funny object as well. I do it a lot. I, I use that kind of, I forget his name, the the the, the, the magician erroneous. He has that book, Maelstrom. I forget his name though. And he does a lot of, what's his name? Just. Tom Stone. Tom Stone. So hey, wow. The reference having that yeah. is that's crazy. Yeah, well, Wait, name any other magician. Name any other magician. Di Vernon. D- and Terry Seabrook. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I purposely always have my left shoe really, really loose when I rove so that I can yeah. just bend my leg up to my right hand and then yeah. produce it behind someone's ear like yeah that's funny like what the that's very funny it's weird and i just and i do it like repeatedly like yeah you know, when they when they're losing their minds about like how did it get under the glass how did it get into the box how did, and it's like how did the shoe get there it's weird and yeah so yeah, well, wow. if you did not well now i'm thinking josh if you did like if you pulled like a bottle out of your shoe or something like did like a quick gag where it came out of your shoe and then you like i just think if you built up this thing to where you're like got the epic music playing where the audience gets it's like supposed to happen at this moment and then you're standing yeah. your head on the guy that to me is funny 
Dude, I'm going to work on that. That is not work. (laughs) Well, I think you've reignited something in me to to continue this journey now. That's something new to play around with. I will say, Raymond Crow actually had a good idea too. He said, totally different. He said, you should have like 10 shoe boxes on stage, have the audience member put their shoe in one of the boxes. And then by you handstand walking over it, your nose can detect like which box (laughs) the shoe is in. Ah, <laughs> that was his idea. And then he's like, and then you can take it up a notch by putting a peg on your nose and somehow you can still do it. And he's like, you know, that was like his, that was his contribution, which is funny, but, That's a great idea. but what, what you're suggesting is very, very visual slapstick, funny, different. Have you and, thought, uh, I don't even know if this is possible. This is dumb. This is just another idea. <laughs> I'm trying to think like like walk like things where people walk across stuff. So like like a walk like walking on glass. Could you do that with your hands? Yeah, I don't need my hands for anything particular. I mean, I mean a, why wouldn't I do? <laughs> I mean, look, like, you and I were just like Ugh. my, but you know what I mean. Hmm. I should learn to paint with my hands being in a handstand on a pad. Maybe I can paint like yeah, a why, reveal of why a, don't you something. Just do that. Yeah. Just look that up. Yeah. Maybe. Can, uh, I've I've tried a lot of stuff. I'm like, can I solve a Rubik's cube in a handstand by swapping one? You know, it's yeah. very difficult <laughs> being up there. All right, look, we're getting carried away. We're just going to have yeah. to have Taylor back, I think. Or maybe even Everyone... like just think about, figure, about your feet doing what your hands were supposed to do or something like that. Like that chick at Magic Live who did a dove act with her feet. Dove I know. With her feet. Amazing. I know, yeah, I know. So I was going to do that, but she's already done it. So yeah, I'll leave that to her. Oh. You know, I just realized at this very moment that there's public comments here where I didn't realize that. Hey, hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Let's just go back to the beginning. So Thomas was asking. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, look, the the good news is um, Taylor's Instagram is in the the description below. So you can go and follow him there and uh, you can reach out to him and and bother him about stuff and give him feedback about your book. Uh, His book, Misdirection, comes out Feb 13th. It is in the description below as well for Amazon. Go and grab that. And Nick? Absolutely. And just a quick shout out to our sponsor, Piper Magic. This week, we reviewed Evoke by Craig Petty. So the link to that product review is in here. Just for the sake of time, we won't mouth off about it, but it's a really kick-ass trick. I implore you guys, scope out the review, scope out the product. It is super duper cool. Now to end the, the podcast, Taylor, we give it, we give our guests the floor to give to leave us with the final word. So it can be just a sentence of something you know, as inspiration or just some advice. It can be whatever you want. It can just be a a word even, but I'm going to play this little stinger here and it will be just you. And once you're done, you can stop and then we'll, I'll end the pod, but sorry, you had something before I do that? It can be a word if you want. Yeah. Or it can be like a word. It'll be one word. (laughs) All right. We're going to go for one word. I'm ready. Thank you for having Thank you for watching. Thank you for coming on the show, Taylor. And we'll see you next week. But here's the final word from Taylor Hughes. Pizza. Thanks for listening. It's time for us to disappear now. Disappear now. But we'll see you again on the next episode of The Magic Guys. 